Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. It turns out, it turns out I've been saying it wrong the whole time. I've been saying Austere Academy instead of Oster. I've been going too big, huh? Peyton's waking up. It's the morning. What time is it? It is 6.13. And we didn't read last night. We've been really lazy about reading, huh? Summertime, I've been tired. Have you been tired? No. She'd rather watch TV. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, that's that. Are we in chapter 10? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think we're on chapter 10. Okay, you keep stretching and unblanketing your mother. Where are we going next week? Your friend's house. We're going to Arizona, huh? We're going to go visit our your Auntie Tanya, one of my best friends, huh? And oh. Auntie Tanya's here visiting right now, and guess who's on their way? Well, actually, mm-hmm. she's probably still sleeping. Yeah, and Jake's going to come, and Jake's going to bring one of his best friends. Yay, cool. Cool, huh? Cool. Okay, so are you ready? The three, chapter 10, Oster, not Austere Academy. Book the fifth. Oh, we're almost done with the fifth book. Cool. The three Baudelaire orphans and the two, the two quagmire triplets sat in the orphan shack, which never looked less unpleasant than it did now. All the five children were wearing noisy shoes Violet had invented, so the territorial crabs were nowhere to be seen. The salt had dried up from the dripping fungus into, hard, into a hard beige crust that was not particularly attractive, but at least it did not plop. Drops of fungus juice on the plop, drops of fungus juice on the youngsters, because the arrival of Coach Genghis has focused their energies on defeating his treachery. The five orphans hadn't done anything about the green walls with the pink hearts on them, but the otherwise, but otherwise, the orphan shack had become quite a bit less mountainous and quite a bit more molehilly since the Baudelaire's arrived. It still had a long way to go to be attractive and comfortable living quarters, but for but for thinking of a plan, it would do in a pinch. Okay, I'm going to have to like take coffee drinking breaks because it is early. Do you need coffee drinking breaks, Peyton? Mmm. I like coffee. Hey, I was supposed to make you hot chocolate. Mm. What a flake. After this, I will, and then we'll do another chapter, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, Mom. Okay. The Baudelaire orphans certainly, uh, the and the Baudelaire orphans were certainly in a pinch. If Violet, Klaus, and Sunny spent one more exhausting night running laps, they would flunk their comprehensive exam and secretarial assignment, and then Coach Genghis would whisk them away to from proof rock prep, and as though as if, and as they thought this could be the worst. Oh, as, oh my gosh, as though of this, they could almost feel the Genghis bony fingers pinching the life right out of them. 
The quagmire triplets were so worried about their friends that they felt pinched as well, even though they were not directly in danger, or so they thought anyways. How come he doesn't want the quagmire's um, fortune? He does. Oh, he just doesn't know about it yet, huh? Mm-hmm. I can't believe that we didn't figure out ghost ghost coach Genghis's plan earlier, Isadora said mournfully, paging through her notebook. Duncan and I did all of this research and we still didn't figure it out. Don't feel badly, Klaus said. My sisters and I my sisters and I had many encounters with Count Olaf and it's always difficult to figure out his scheme. We're trying to find find out the history of Count Olaf, Duncan said. The Prufrock Preparatory Library has a pretty good collection of old newspapers, and we thought if we might find some of his old other schemes, we might figure out this one. That's a good idea, Klaus said, said thoughtfully. I've never tried that, but they've already figured out his scheme. Okay. We figured out that Count Olaf must have been an evil man before he met you, Duncan continued, so we looked up things in his old newspaper. But it was difficult to find too many articles because as you know how he uses different names. But we found a person matching his description in the Bangkok Gazette who was arrested for strangling a bishop but escaped from prison in just ten minutes. That sounds like him, all right, Klaus said. And in the Verona, Verona Daily News, Duncan said, there was a man who had thrown a rich widow off of a cliff. He had a tattoo of an eye on his ankle, but he had eluded authorities. And we found a newspaper from your hometown that said, I don't mean to interrupt, Isadora said, but we better start thinking of the, stop thinking of the past and start thinking about the present. Lunchtime is more than, lunchtime is more than half hour over, or half over, and we need desperately a plan. You're not napping, are you? Klaus asked to Violet who had been silent for a long time. Of course I'm not napping, Violet replied. I'm concentrating. I think I can invent something to make all of those staples Sunny needs. But I can't figure out how I can invent it, the device, and study for the test at the same time. Since SOAR began, I haven't taken notes in Mr. Romero's class, so I won't be able to remember his stories. Well, you don't have to worry about that, Duncan said, holding up his dark green notebook. I've written everyone, everyone of Mr. Romero's stories. Every boring detail is recorded here in my notebook. And I've written down how long, wide, and deep all of Mrs. Bass's objects are, Isadora said, holding up her own notebook. You can study from my notebook, Klaus said, and Violet can study from Duncan's. Thank you, Klaus said, but you're forgetting something. We're supposed to be running this evening. We don't even have time to read anybody's notebook. Ugh, Tancor, said Sunny, which meant you're right, of course. Sore always lasts until dawn and the tests are first thing in the morning. If only we had one of the world's great inventors to help us, Violet said. I wonder what Nikola Tesla would do. Or one of the world's greatest journalists, Duncan said. I wonder what Dorothy Parker would do in this situation. Coffee break. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. You should read while I drink coffee, Pain. Pain's still waking up. Mm-hmm. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Okay. And I wonder what Hamuri, the ancient Babylonian, would do to help us, Klaus said. He was one of the world's greatest researchers. Or the great poet lord byron as Zora said shark sunny said rubbing her teeth thoughtfully who knows what any of these people or fish would do in our shoes violet said it's impossible to know 
Duncan snapped his fingers not to signal a waiter or because he was listening to a catchy music, but he had an idea. Our shoes, he said, that's it. What's it? Klaus asked. How will noisy shoes help? No, no, Duncan said. Not the noisy shoes. I'm thinking about Coach Gingus's expensive running shoes and how he couldn't take them off because his feet were smelly. And I bet they are smelly, Isadora said. I've noticed that he doesn't bathe much. But that's not why he wears them, Violet said. He wears them for disguise. Exactly, Duncan said. When you said in your shoes, it gave me an idea. You, I know you meant in our shoes is an expression of in our situation. But what if someone else were actually in your shoes? What if we disguised ourselves as you? And then we could run laps. Oh my gosh, is this what we saw, Peyton, when they were doing their... She did her... Isadora did bangs? What if someone else was actually in your shoes if we dis, uh, disguised ourselves as you? Then we could run laps and you could study for the comprehensive exam. Disguise yourself as us, Klaus said. You two look exactly like each other, but you don't look anything like us. So what, Duncan said. It'll be dark tonight and we've watched you f from far away. All we could see were two shadowy figures running and, craw and one crawling. That's true, Isadora said. If I took the ribbon from your hair, Violet, and Duncan took Klaus's glasses, we look enough like you that I bet Coach Gingas couldn't even tell. And we could switch shoes so your running on the grass would sound exactly the same, Duncan said. But what about Sunny, Violet asked. There's no way two people could disguise themselves as three. The Quagmire triplet, Quagmire's triplet's face fell. If only Quigley were here, Duncan said. I just know he'd be willing to dress up as a baby if it meant helping you. What about a bag of flour, Isadora asked. Sunny's only about as big as a bag of flour. Nothing personal, Sunny. Denata, Sunny said, shrugging. We could snatch a bag from the cafeteria, Isadora said, and drag it alongside of us as we ran. From a distance, it would probably look enough like Sunny to avoid any suspicion. Being in each other's shoes seems like an extremely risky plan, Violet said. If it fails, not only are we in trouble, but you are as well. And you know what Coach Gingus will do to you? This... Mm, this, as it turns out, was a question that would haunt the Baudelaire's for quite some time, but the Quagmires gave it barely a thought. Don't worry about that, Duncan said. The important thing is to keep you out of, the out of his clutches. It may be a risky plan, but being in each other's shoes is the only thing that we've been able to think of. And we don't have any time to waste anything waste of anything else, Isadora said. We'd better hurry if we're going to snitch a bag of flour and not be late for class and we'll need a string or something so we can drag it along to make it look like sunny crawling duncan said and we'll need to snitch we'll need to snitch some things too violet said for my staple making invention needope sunny said which means something along the lines of then let's get moving the five children walked out of the orphan shack, taking off their noisy shoes and putting on their regular shoes so that they wouldn't make a lot of noise as if as they walked nervously across the lawn to the cafeteria. They were nervous because they were not supposed to be sneaking into the cafeteria or snitching things, and they were nervous because their plan was indeed a risky one. It is not a pleasant feeling, nervousness, and I would not wish it for small children to be any more nervous than the Baudelaire's and the Quagmire's as they were walking towards the cafeteria. In their regular shoes, I must say that the children weren't nervous enough. 
They didn't need to be more nervous about sneaking onto the cafeteria, even though it was against the rules, or snitching things, even though they didn't get caught. But they should have been more nervous about their plan and about what would happen that evening when the sun set on the brown lawn and the luminous circle. They should have been nervous now, in the regular shoes, about what would happen and when they were in each other's. Do you know what happens, Peyton? You don't? I don't remember. You don't remember? Oh my gosh. This kid remembers everything. I think it's because she's tired, you guys. Well, that was an easy short chapter. The short ones are easier to read because then I can just fly through them on paper. Okay. Bye.